Welcome to this week's episode of The World According to Craig, where, as usual, someone smarter, better, prettier, and more experienced, and even a better podcast host than me is joining this week. So thank you so much uh, to Chris Grimm, an executive coach and entrepreneur that I'm so excited to have on the show. I am not smarter than you. <laughs> the rest of it we can debate, but, but I'm not smarter than you. <laughs> um, all right, that's a debate for another episode. Okay. Um, but I'm so excited to have you here, and we're going to talk a lot about... I think things that people don't normally think about in in the workplace and in terms of leadership and the differences and the mm-hmm. difference between difference and discrimination and, and all of those pieces and yeah. masculine and feminine. But before we get into the meat of it, I would love for people to get to know you as well as I do and become obsessed with you, um, although hopefully not stalk you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Please, no stalkers. <laughs> no stalkers. Um, so... How do you, so you're, you're an executive coach and you have all these amazing talent development programs and human development programs. How did you even get into that? Like you do, you, you, cause I don't imagine that you, when you were six, you had like a notepad and a clipboard and went around to everyone asking if they wanted to be a better person. <laughs> and then, Actually, uh, I think I came out of the womb basically telling people what to do. So, okay. um, at a very young age. Look, I now look at it as kind of the X-Men version of a superpower, you know, <laughs> not a superhero where it's nice and shiny the whole time. Right. Uh, I was born with the X-Men version. If people don't know what that is, it means it's really ugly in the beginning because it's uncontrolled. So uh. I was kind of a teacher from the beginning. Uh, this is not a joke. My brother would tell you this is true. I would ask my teachers for the leftover handouts and things. And then my brother's younger than me. I would come <laughs> home and I would play school with him. And make him, of course he couldn't, he was three years, four years, three years younger, <laughs> uh, but I would pretend to make him do school. Okay. So very young age, kind of bossy. So you did have a clipboard at six. I did have a clipboard <laughs> at six, for sure I did. And my parents would tell you that I did not stop at just my brother. Like there was just an ongoing <clears throat> theme of me evaluating situations, telling, my parents had me young, like high school. Uh, so that left a lot of room for them to uh-huh. kind of learn in process. <laughs> and I just showed up and tried to tell them how to do things. So like I said, it was a little bumpy for a while. To answer your question, uh, I thought I was going to be a teacher. So my undergrad, I left there with a teaching credential and went off into public education in Los Angeles and was oh, like... Hell. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, I started in Santa Monica, actually, which is a great place to be a teacher. Lots of supportive families and um, lots of resources. Then I went to Cudahy, Vernon, uh, LA Unified, a totally different experience and learned very, very, very quickly that the, um, you know, the classroom is is not an easy place to be. Uh, I did that for three years, and the third year, interestingly enough, for anybody who knows L.A. history, it was the year of the Rodney King riots, Oh. and I was in Cudahy, Vernon, um, so lots going on there, and I decided to take a year off, and this was kind of my turning point where I really was the start of what I do now. Uh, instead of completely quitting, I worked for a really awesome principal, and she said, please don't quit. Um, we want you to do something else. So she allowed me to write grants uh, for the district and for the school, which immediately put me in uh, a place, which for me, I, I started to love, right? I, I, I realized there was something called systems theory. Like all of a sudden I was like, oh, whoa, 
I get this. I can affect change in a way bigger way. I like working with the adults. I like uh, coming back to school and meeting with the teachers and meeting with the parents right. and starting to realize, oh, wait a minute, like the adults are critical here. Right. Uh, uh, <laughs> but but the adults have a stake in this game that, you know, is so important that they were willing to learn something. Okay. So for me, all of a sudden, it was like, okay, I'm I'm still a teacher. I'm still the person who wants to teach people to learn, but I'm going to do this, I think, with adults. And uh, so my next job actually was a corporate job in learning and development where I started to really get it. Like, okay, time out. Like, adults are super different than kids. Okay. Uh, and then um, I guess about five or six years later, I very not on purpose, uh, started ARIA consulting. <laughs> <laughs> I did projects. I did, uh, you know, lots of things until about five years in where I think my husband looked at me and said, I think this is a thing and you need a business card. Okay. And yeah, that's amazing. 24 I, years later. I can't imagine doing one job for 24 years and that's incredible. And, but I guess that's why you're really, really good at it. Um, it's, it's you, not the same job, though. No, so it's funny that you say that because it's not the same job. No, but it's 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 breaking down. I think it's like pro progressions. It's breaking down mm -hmm. further and further and further into that, which is like going down um, a dark hole or a path or a path of light, um, depending on your yep. perspective. But you know, you you started this because you went from teaching kids to like teaching adults who wanted to learn, mm -hmm. but a lot of adults don't want to learn. Yeah. And with Aria, do you find yourself more in the situation where people have been, where they, they're in a crisis and they realize they need to learn something or is it, cause you, you have a lot of big and famous and fancy, uh, corporate people <laughs> <laughs> that we won't talk about, but like, are they ready to learn? Uh, wow. You know, we get it all. We have, you know, we have our executive coaching practice. Uh, we also have consulting that helps with change. So I would say to you, we we see it all in all of our big engagements with companies, whether it's a small company or a large company. I think we, we get the people who know that part of leading, part of change, part of growing a business, uh, or maybe even dealing with a declining business, right? Somewhere in there, the people have to do something different. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, whether that's make better decisions or redo your strategy, whatever it is, I think everything we touch in the process has a learning component to it. Some people are aware of that and, you know, are actively asking for help to do it. And sometimes they're not. And, you know, we do it all. So, <laughs> so. There, there's something in there which is like being actively aware of what of the change that you need mm -hmm. externally, internally with yourself, when your industry, your business. How, but I've seen firsthand um, when people aren't aware, and you kind of somehow have to thread that needle. How do you get people in there, and how do you get somebody to take a minute and say, mm -hmm. oh? crap, like I, I really need to reassess myself or my industry or my company mm -hmm. or the or what I was thinking mm -hmm. is wrong. I need to look at it in a completely reframed way. Like mm -hmm. is, is it like a come to Jesus moment um, or is it like is it like directors with actors where you're sort of helping them navigate their own way? Yeah, 
again, it's uh, I think it's both. Uh, sometimes it can be fairly dramatic, but sometimes it's not. You know, or we, people throwing <laughs> tennis balls across the room, <laughs> <laughs> or ashtrays or something. I've seen a lot. <laughs> oh, ashtrays! Throwback, throwback. China, uh, um, not a throwback. Not a uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I think. Look, we start everything in all of our businesses. So whether you come and say, I just want to do some life coaching or I have the president of a major talent agency, let's say, who calls and goes, they swear a lot first and then they tell me all the things that need to happen. I'm used to that. And I say, yep, okay, coming. Uh, The first whole part is what we call discovery. And so what we're always looking for is, uh, is their readiness for the outcomes they say they want. Because in every request that someone makes of us, there's an there's a new outcome. They wouldn't be calling us. People don't pay consultants and coaches <laughs> unless there's a new outcome they want. Let everybody get that straight. Uh, so when they call and they say, blah, 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 even if they don't know what they want, but they know they don't want what they have, there's outcomes. Like most of America. Like, <laughs> like most of everybody, right? Like I want something really, I don't have. <laughs> we're really great at being data- dissatisfied. And... And I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, I don't love everybody complaining all the time, whatever. But but in dissatisfaction is when great things happen, right? And frankly, there's whole theories about this, right? Like the more dissatisfaction we have, sooner or later, someone's going to solve that problem <laughs> and something great happens. So that's where innovation is actually born. But I think that, you know, in our corporate customers, which is a little different than individual coaching, but it's the same people, Right. Uh, we've got to help them wait. Let, let's get clear about the outcomes you want. Let's get clear about how far away we are from that. And then how ready are you to actually be on that journey, right? Because like you're saying, sometimes it needs a few come <clears throat> to Jesus moments. Like, honey, whoa, <laughs> that's way over there. I'm not saying no. I'm saying, really? And are we willing to do all the things that it's going to take to get there? The more people you have to bring along with you, right, as right. you know, uh, means to me the readiness really has to be there in all your stakeholder groups. And everybody then has to be willing, if they're ready, to acknowledge the plan and the roadmap to get there. Sometimes, as you know, that means a lot of people change. Sometimes it means resources, right? Like, uh, right. And, and most of the time, I, I would say to you, um, it's both. Uh, there's something really profound. You said that there's just like dissatisfa- dissatisfaction can lead to change. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are in a dissatisfaction moment and don't necessarily realize that. Like they're frustrated or they're angry. And you mean right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of dissatisfaction. We have a lot of dissatisfaction. Uh, we have a, we have a, so in so many directions. But how do you, you know, yeah. how, if somebody's dissatisfied, how can they move from dissatisfaction mm-hmm. to change? How do, what's that first step? If mm-hmm. like if, if they're listening, they're like, I am dissatisfied. Dissatisfied. <laughs> right? like, raising their hand. It's a whole lot of people raising their hand. Like, how do you move from, yeah. what's the next step? Like, what do you do? Because I would, it's sort of like you're standing at the starting line and mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know how to put one foot in front of the mm-hmm. other, understandably. Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, because everybody's dissatisfied right now, 
Uh, there's a there's a few paths you could take. So I think that people quit have it all to and move back. to Mexico. Well, there's that. <laughs> That's happening. I mean, there are people, there are people moving um, for sure. I think that outside of doing something extreme. Because, of course, that's always an option, or it is always an option. But I would say it's important for people to kind of sit with, and I know this is happening. You and I have actually talked off camera about this. You know, right now, I think that the level of discomfort and uncertainty, along with dissatisfaction, right? right? Dissatisfaction is like a big bucket. We can put it all in. But, you know, there are people who, you know, just because of the last year we've had and this pandemic, you know, their work changed their home changed. So again, I would say you, you need to spend some time alone, really being honest with yourself around, you know, what is at the core of my dissatisfaction? And, you know, I'm finding it common right now that even executives that I've been coaching for years are realizing, well, they weren't happy three years ago. Right. Well, <laughs> and now it's just exacerbated because of all of it going on. So, you know, sometimes I have to say, time out. Like, we've been having this conversation for a really long time. I'm, I'm not shaming you. I'm, I'm just saying, can you just be at least honest with yourself about, you know, each part of your life and, you know, maybe levels of dissatisfaction so that you don't get overwhelmed by it thinking that you have to run away to Mexico. Right. Well, yeah. Or society <laughs> stages the new purge and then we're, <laughs> we're really screwed. Yeah. Um, you know, I think when we look at the world, one of the interesting things about the pandemic is <clears throat> starting with the Affordable Care Act, which I think was an unintended side effect of of mandating equal coverage for mental health and uh, as for physical health. <clears throat> and then in the pandemic, we've seen a real lean in to emotional wellness and all these other mm -hmm. things. So what's that bridge? Mm -hmm. um, what's that bridge for people to say, okay, this is more than a motivational Monday post. That's right. Um, where did, so they they're looking inside and they're saying it's like a little crack of light. Yes. So a bit a little bit like Glasnost Perestroika would like destroyed the Soviet Empire, but it's just like yes. a little crack of light of what capitalism looked like. And the next yes. thing you know, the whole kitten boot caboodle falls apart. So how do people not fall apart when that little crack mm -hmm. of light comes along? Yeah, it's so good. Uh, gosh, you just said so much and there, my brain's like, oh, I want to go there. Uh, <laughs> look, I, I think that, first of all, people need to uh, have discernment first around what is on social and what is available on the interweb. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot and there are a lot of great books and there are a lot of great people doing r really good things. There's also a lot of noise. So much noise. Right. So that is, I think... Uh, you know, just have discernment, like, again, being, uh, doing your own discovery, not knee jerk reacting into, you know, right now, a big pet peeve of mine, I think I might have shared this to you. Uh, but you know, there's everybody's a coach. And it's in the last few years, this has been happening. Tons of programs you can be certified in some of them are really good. Some of these people are probably really good. Uh, but they're not experienced as coaches. So I would say, if in fact, you have some real serious issues to work out for yourselves. Uh, and, and that could be like wanting to leave your job and change your career. Like that's not a small thing. Right. Uh, but, but also even, you know, leaders saying to me, you know, that they're sorting through, like I said to you, the layers of dissatisfaction mm -hmm. and the layers of what are now seeming like problems. Right. Like this is a thing I have to solve. 
And, and I'm saying, okay, don't get caught in the trap because social, I think there's a lot of people out there who are trying to sell programs and they're trying to get you to work with them. Right. And so they're- Their own private masterclass. They're, they're, <laughs> well, they're identifying with the pain. Right. So that's why I say the word discernment is important, you know, that for people to be appropriately cautious about what it is they want and not just get sucked into the marketing of things and really sit back and say, you know, for me to make the change I think I want in my work and life, what do I have to learn to do that, right? And that's a little different than what you were saying, and I think it's important that people think about this because what I find often is that when we're mired in dissatisfaction, you know, we need to solve the problem because most of us are super uncomfortable right. with intense emotions. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's why we numb ourselves, right? We self-medicate <laughs> with wine and all kinds of things. <laughs> Tequila sodas, yay. Yay, right. Well, whatever it is, you know, we're used to doing that. And so getting a coach and getting a therapist sometimes can come from that same place. Yeah, you shouldn't be using that to self-medicate. Yeah, that no. Right. So I would say to you, really thinking about, again, what's that new outcomes I want and what do I have to learn to get there? And then I can pick my guide. That's an important thing for people to realize, which is we we go through life and we're often so busy being in the weeds of life. Mm -hmm. My kids need this. My job needs this and that sort of thing. And at the end of the day, a lot of people are like, oh, I just need to sit down with a glass of wine and watch TV or whatever it is. But the reality is like TV, like TV is an input, right? And it's That's not, right. and it's, it's, it's more noise and it doesn't matter how great the show is. Yep. Like don't, not knocking TV, love to watch TV, but, um, it's that, that calm, that quiet, that moment. We don't spend a whole lot of time alone as a people. We're taught to not like silence. Totally. And the number one piece of advice I don't see out there is, telling people to embrace the silence. Like I don't see any motivational Monday posts that are like, Avi, you see, we, we do silent <laughs> yes, retreats before you, COVID. We were running full silent which retreats. Which is the, the perfect transition to that because I, you are one of the few people out there with Avi, with the, with you're helping people find the, this energy because I do, I, I am a deeply religious and spiritual person. And I do believe in this energy of the universe. Like that there is there and there are, there are ways that our bodies work. I joke that, you know, we can put, you know, we can put people on Mars, but we still have no idea how the brain works. Like decades into research, we have zero idea how to, like we can actually grow a brain in a lab, but we can't flip a switch and turn it on. Mm -hmm. um, that spark is, is important. That spark is humanity. And now you're helping people to try to tap into that in some way with some level of like. Let, let me kind of come back for a second and tell people what we're talking about is we have, um, I call it the third brand, if you will. Uh, it's all the same company, to be honest with everybody. But <laughs> I, I needed different ways to take our core methodologies and bring it to different buyers in different ways. And also because I knew, you know, what I've learned over time is that each person, like you're saying, is on a journey. Right. And by the way, dealing with dissatisfaction today doesn't mean you're not going to be dissatisfied about something <laughs> else in like a week. Uh, so, so it is a journey. Our life is that. And what I found, back to your silence thing, is that um, in our corporate work, uh, oftentimes our work in companies with leaders, as I was saying earlier, is highly structured. We're looking for business outcomes related to the team or the leaders, and that's totally appropriate. Uh, it, but it often leaves room, right? We don't get to do the personal work with people. So 
Uh, we started Aria Coach so that individuals could kind of take the baton if they wanted and move deeper into their own work. And then Avi was born because I wanted a special place originally for women, to be honest. I felt like uh, many of the paradigms that we were using in classic executive coaching and change management and leadership competencies, uh, most of them were not you know, built for women. Um, just because of all the obvious reasons about the way corporate uh, was right. built and, and all the models and, and systems that were built around that. Uh, and in my coaching, uh, even in work environments uh, with female leaders, I started to see that they learned differently. You know, they were processing what was happening in the corporate environment differently. And so the coaching also had to be modified. And one of the things that was really clear to me early on was that because women are wired to have diffuse awareness, right? We're, we're, we're not as focused naturally as most men are. It goes back to the thinking that, you know, men were wired to be hunters and we were one, wired to be gatherers, but also had a kid on our back and we're probably right. with a group of women socializing while we were picking berries. I the, don't it's, know, the stere- it's the stereotype that like the, the husband doesn't notice his wife got her hair cut, but she notices everything. everything. Yeah. And has eyes on the back of her head, right? Yes. And so, again, those are born from some stereotypes, but what is actually quite real is that, like I said, when I was uh, coaching, started to coach more and more women as we, we actually started to get more, more women in leadership, uh, which was, you know, probably about 10, uh, maybe 12 years ago. Again, I, I just said, okay, they need something different. And the number one thing I realized was that most of them needed to shut off all the distractions so they could get not only the the purest, oh. clearest thinking, but also to process all of the emotion that a lot of their thinking was triggering. But being aware of everything around you means that all of that is noise, which means that in order to focus, like it, you're a great superpower of, of a diffuse awareness is also mm-hmm. a handicap then mm-hmm. in, in focusing in. Right. And look, there are, are women, I've coached some amazing leaders uh, who have learned over time, over a lifetime, by the way, on how to, you know, play in the world that in, in many cases rewards more masculine behavior or a certain type of masculine behavior, I'll, I'll, I'll say, uh, <clears throat> because not all males fit that e- either. And, you know, we're, uh, I think we're learning, learn more and more that it's not really about gender, right? right. It's not about the embodiment as much as just what characteristics you right. Uh, want to want to express. Right. Um, I'm always trying to help people find balance, which is why we opened our retreats. And I said, you know what? It's not really about just women anymore. Avi is really about anybody who wants to balance their masculine and feminine. And I'm talking about characteristics in the way we behave. You know, the masculine is action oriented. Uh, the feminine in us is naturally receiving and creative in a very different way. But it also needs to rest in a different way than our action orientedness. Um, so the silence part, uh, and I'll say to people who are probably are saying the same thing you do, Craig, which is, oh my God, I could never do that. You know, we, I I also needed to learn how to do it. And so we start people pretty easily like, okay, can you do it for an hour? Right. What can you commit to? And then we give people ground rules and we teach them to do it. We've been doing it during COVID by the way. And of course people are in their homes. Uh, believe me, I got dogs and kids and everything. It's very difficult to do. But so we start people gently and say, okay, time out. Like, I know it's going to be hard for you to shut off your devices. 
I know it's going to be hard for you to find a place in your home where your maybe your kids and your spouse mm-hmm. and the dogs and whatever aren't going to try and get you. But if you really want to do this, you should be able to set some ground rules yeah. and create space for yourself. It seems like in a post-COVID world, you would have a solid partnership with like a hotel chain <laughs> going to escape to. Yes, great. Um, I there's so much there's so much in there and to unpack and it's but I think the there's you know it's not just embracing the silence it's when you talk about the masculine and feminine I think it's important for people to realize these aren't um, qualitative judgments they're descriptors like and there's a difference mm-hmm. there's a difference between ha- being different which is okay yep. and that difference like causing discriminatory or engaging behavior but like masculine and feminine characteristic are different and that's separate from the the gender types you're talking about but the way you think the way people process information the way the people approach a situation just even taking that first step to say like okay i'm different or i need to find the differences is so much of the work Mm -hmm. i and and i think we get daunted because there's all kinds of conversation in the world about the the masculine and the feminine and perhaps not all of it informed. Mm. And there's all kinds of conversation in the world about do this and do that. And the, the key practical component for me is always what's the first step. And I think there's so many concrete first steps that are incredibly valuable that you've shared with people, which is find silence, like just a half hour, an hour, what it is, start small, like go for a walk. Um, like just listen and think like not take in no reading no podcast no music people are like don't tune into my podcast while you're walking no no and and people get to me like no music Ah." but that it's an input right it's and it's it's motion triggering i think that's the interesting thing is taking a half hour or an hour isn't about okay well i'm gonna put in my podcast i'm gonna love that it's actually no, no 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 like you need to stop the inputs yes and what, who knows what happens when that happens because most people don't do it. And then just even understanding and acknowledging that you are different, that there is a balance of different characteristics in you is like this first step of, of just being aware. Yeah, no, look, it is, <laughs> you said something really important. When people learn to be silent, you do have to face what's in there, which most of us don't like. And... If we've been rejecting part of ourselves and not choosing, because I'm I'm all with you. I I really am one of those people where I'm like, okay, I, I don't care. I really don't. Just be you. Right. Just be you. Because what I really care about is that people are authentic. Because frankly, part of my superpower is that I can feel people's incongruence. Which is maybe why I'm also a good coach. <laughs> um, but... That and your willingness to call them out on on the incongruence. Yeah, or at least help them see it. Yeah. Sometimes it is calling people out. But sometimes it's like you were saying, bringing some tools and saying, okay, well, when you're ready, there are parts of you that everybody's going to benefit from when you allow him out. But uh-huh. you have to actually be okay with that. And if you've lived a whole life, hence the reason some people need therapists to come along with us, right, is that, you know... Well, we give people tools when they go in silence, specifically when they start to do it for a full day or like when we'll run a retreat for days. Imagine it. What starts to come out of you is the real you. And there's parts of you that are mad because they haven't been allowed to come out all the time. 
Now, sometimes that's because you have chosen jobs or relationships or whatever. We all make choices in our life. I, I still make choices in my life where I can't be fully authentic. Why? Because maybe my husband wouldn't like it. Maybe my parent, maybe it's still my parents. I'm going to blame it on my parents. Sorry, <laughs> everything goes back. Everything goes um, back. <laughs> but do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so, so we actively, whether we know it or not, reject parts of ourselves. And what I find, and in some corporate environments, I think it's a little better than it was 10, 20 years ago. Some it's not, right? And, and what I'm referring to is that, you know, when you go into a corporate environment that has very strict cultural mm-hmm. alignment and values, et cetera, well, when you choose to work there then, you know, you're signing up to be a member of that club. It also means you're signing up that, saying that maybe there's parts of you that can't come to work right or you won't be able to be overtly that person and i I don't think that's wrong i I do believe actually that for some companies to have specific brands their inside culture has to reflect that so i've actually helped leaders create those things but what i say to individual people is if it if it keeps you from being your whole self then you've got to ask yourself why you want to do that And if it feels bad, man, then you really have to ask yourself <laughs> why you're doing it. <laughs> I mean, we've <laughs> we've had so many people. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't beat yourself on the, up on that. I mean, mm-hmm. we've had so many people on the show. I everyday people, experts, talk about being yourself, and I think you've given. I mean, we could do an entire podcast series just the two of us on on so much of this. Yeah. Um, what does authentic actually yeah, really mean? What, yeah, that's that's gonna be our, our spinoff, and um, uh, we'll get we'll, <laughs> we'll get calm to underwrite it. Um, uh, but I think you've given everybody really practical, amazing steps. Um, I'm gonna take them. I'm gonna try. Like, I'm gonna find one hour of silence. I, I've maybe I've, I I could do 20 minutes. Now I can do an hour, um, and I'm just. I'm so grateful that you would that, to, that you spent time with us and shared all of this, and I hope that everybody takes that into account. I hope um, too. Uh, and thank you so much for for joining us, and thank you for tuning into the world according to Craig. Don't tune in. Well, I mean, do tune in next week, but take an hour before you tune in next time to be by yourself uh, and to think about who you are. And with that in mind, I'm so grateful. Thank you for being you and sharing that with us. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in to The World According to Craig. I really should have thought through this podcast title thing before I used it, since it's really the world according to other people who are smarter, better, brighter, prettier, and more amazing. And that makes me happy because I'm delighted to welcome to every week and I hope that you'll join us for a new story every Tuesday. <laughs>